0: Our vision, um, many of you will know this like the back of your hand, but um, for some of you, if you're visiting, you may not have heard this before. Our vision as a church is to see Jesus, the most talked about person in this city of Birmingham and the surrounding areas. Some of us don't live in Birmingham, um, but our vision as a church is to see Jesus, the most talked about person. And uh, we often talk about that. Um, we, we often sort of sort of cast that as vision um, but I wonder, just to take a moment to think about what would that look like? What would that actually mean um, for Jesus to be the most talked about person in Birmingham? There's a, a picture there of Birmingham's uh, skyline. You may not be able to see it that clearly. But, but what would it be like for Jesus to be the name that's on every lips in, in, in Birmingham uh, and, and in the surrounding area? Imagine, there, just in the foreground here, there's a Birmingham coach station. Imagine that people coming in and out of Birmingham coach, coach station We'll be talking about Jesus. They'll be coming here knowing that Birmingham is synonymous with, with Jesus' name somehow. Yeah, people, uh, going for a night out down on Digbeth High Street there will be talking about, thinking about Jesus. Maybe people, people going shopping in Selfridges even would even be talking about Jesus or thinking about Jesus and uh, that's pretty big that's big vision um and that's that is what we're here for though that is what we want to see that is what that is what our vision is as a church that's that's what motivates us to do the things that we do and i love the fact that we've started this morning with a a really encouraging story about life skills and about um a few people just a handful of people coming along to benefit from that course and and the heart behind cap life skills um is for people to know jesus It's for people to be equipped and for people to be helped to live on a low income, but it is also um, for people to know who Jesus is and to come to to know him for themselves. So um, I'd like us just briefly to step out of kind of normal sermon listening mode and to go into talk to your neighbour mode, okay? I hope that's okay for people. If you don't want to be involved in this, then you can just sit and ponder and, and, and mull the question that I'm gonna pose. Um, but if you'd like to talk to your neighbor, why don't you just take a, take a couple of minutes to answer the question, how is Jesus gonna be the most talked about person in Birmingham? What would it take for that to happen? Why don't you just chat to your neighbors around you and just uh, just kick that about for a, for a minute or so. What would it actually look like for Jesus to be the most talked about person in Birmingham? Okay. Okay. It's great to see that there's there's obviously a buzz, there's a willingness to talk about this. It's a big subject, I appreciate. Can't do it justice in a couple of minutes on a Sunday morning, but but if I can just bring us back, if you could uh, just bring the conversations to a close. Um, Anyone like to shout out what kind of things would need to happen for Jesus to be the most talked about person in Birmingham? Anything that you said? Any ideas? We need to talk about him. Right, yeah, that's quite a, quite a fundamental one. <laughs> Any others? Christians. Christians to be in areas of influence in the city. Right, in every sort of sphere of society. Absolutely. Anything else? it, yes. okay, Rebecca. The people who are worshipping other gods have a change of heart. Right. By their needs of God. Right, so people from, uh, who've, got, who've already got a belief, yes. but they don't know Jesus. Okay, yeah, absolutely. Pray. Pr- praying. Praying. Absolutely. It's going to take a huge move of God for that to happen, isn't it? And that's why it's vision. It's not something we can achieve. We have to bring it to God. It's something that God set before us to go for in faith um, because only he can do it. Um, that's brilliant. That's absolutely great. Um, well, um, really, where I'm where I'm going with this morning, because we can't deal with it, all of these questions and answer them uh, on one Sunday morning. But what I want to focus in on is the point that um, that Steve made, which is that, for Jesus to be the most talked about person in Birmingham, there's a sense in which us, as Christians, we need to grow in confidence in talking about Jesus. We, we, need, to, we need to talk about Jesus. We need to be, uh, his name needs to be on our lips more and more. And so we need to have a confidence in the gospel. Um, and we need to be confident ourselves in sharing our faith, in, sh- in talking about Jesus. And this is, this is something I'd, 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 I'd humbly suggest is for all of us, um, not just perhaps for the keen evangelists among us, but if Jesus is gonna be the most talked about person in Birmingham, right, that's, that's big. It, needs, it will need all of us to have a part in that. And all of us have got opportunities uh, which we can take in doing that. So just very briefly, we're gonna get back into our little chat groups that we were in a moment ago. And why don't you talk about a bit more personally, if you're happy to share, where are you at? With, with this, with confidence in talking about Jesus, maybe on a scale of one to 10, where one is you would never consider even doing that, and it's completely nothing that you, that you do, you're not confident at all, and maybe 10 would be, yes, you're absolutely guns blazing, you can't wait to get out of here and get to the Beard Festival and talk to people about Jesus. Okay, so, so chat, how confident are you? And maybe, what, what, what's the greatest barrier for you? If your confidence is low, uh, what's the biggest barrier? Is it embarrassment? Is it that you feel you wouldn't know what to say? You don't feel equipped? Go for it. A Little bit more reticence this time. As I say, you, you, please feel free to just share on whatever level you're happy sharing on. Okay. Apologies again to cut across to ask a big question and then only give you 30 seconds to talk about it, but if I can just uh, just pull us back together again. This is something that you can um, continue talking about later on if you'd like to, but oh, um, I won't ask for a show of hands, but I wonder uh, what you would have said uh, to where you're at with this. Now, as a church, we are members of uh, the Evangelical Alliance, as you may know, and the Evangelical Alliance um, is a national organization that did some research recently on this on this very subject of confidence in the gospel, okay, and this is, this is what they said. They said, after a wide-ranging consultation speaking to leaders and thinkers from across the UK, we've discovered that although mission is clearly at the heart of what many churches are doing, talking about our faith as Christians is proving increasingly difficult mission is clearly high on the agenda of most churches as we are seeing many plugged into national initiatives like food bank street pastors and Christians against poverty as well as providing bespoke services for their communities but despite the increased amount of community engagement there is also an apparent decrease in our confidence and competence to verbally explain the good news so that's what the Evangelical Alliance has found through their extensive research Um, so Kind of in a a funny way, if your confidence was low, maybe be encouraged that you're not on your own, um, that that, that others are are in the same boat as well and others are feeling like that. Um, But also, I guess we have to admit that this isn't the greatest situation for the UK church to be in. Uh, We don't want to be in that place, do we? We don't want to have uh, a decreasing confidence in the gospel. We want to have an increasing confidence in the gospel. Is that right? Certainly, that's, that's, that's what I would like. Sorry about the uh, noise. So we're going to look, as I say, at Romans 1 in a moment. But before we do, I just want to um, just quickly sort of suggest a few reasons why this might be the case. Okay, why is there decreasing confidence in sharing about um, the gospel, sharing about what we believe in society? And I want to suggest that we're up against a few things, perhaps, as Christians in the 21st century UK. And, you know, this isn't the nicest bit to start with. I'm kind of starting with the bad news in a way before going to some, the Bible for some encouragement and, and, and some, some teaching. Um, but I think it's important to sort of look, look at the situation and, and consider, well, what are these barriers? What are the things that are stopping us or, or preventing us or just hindering us in any way from sharing the gospel? Um, and from talking about Jesus and from fulfilling a vision that God's given us as a church. So I'd say that there's, that there's four things I want to just quickly highlight. Um, the first, uh, and, and with many of these, you probably encounter these at different levels. So the first thing would be hostility. So um, in our society, there is a, a perhaps a kind of low-level hostility towards Christian belief and faith. Uh, and many of you may have experienced this. Perhaps you experienced it um, maybe at school or university. Um, perhaps you have experienced it in the workplace, um, and, and essentially um, what it can look like is just an, an atheistic worldview that's hostile to faith in God. And there are increasingly voices now in society that are saying, actually, religion is, is not just bad, it's, it's, it's harmful, it's, it's a bad thing. Society doesn't need it. There are voices saying that, the kind of new atheist movements are saying that with, with more hostility. Maybe you've experienced that personally, um, a hostility towards you for being a Christian Um, Maybe you haven't experienced that personally, but it's certainly there as a kind of passive-aggressive, if you like, uh, underlying um, uh, kind of um, theme within wider society. And what that can lead to is that perhaps we as Christians can feel timid about sharing our faith in that environment, or we can feel perhaps a bit oppressed um, uh, in terms of freedom to share um, what we believe because we know that we're gonna hit some hostility. Another thing that perhaps we can come up against is just an apathy or a lack of interest. I think we've all seen that one, how we long to share Jesus with our friends and yet they just are not bothered at all, have no interest whatsoever. Perhaps we think, I wonder what questions they're answering and they don't seem to be answering, asking many questions. Um, and so there can be a lack of interest, there can be an apathy towards the things of God. Um, maybe people are living in the here and now, maybe people's priorities are just all about this life and and about material uh, matters. They're not thinking about the um, kind of bigger things in in some cases, And sometimes that can make us feel a bit deflated, can't it, about sharing the gospel. Kind of, oh, people aren't interested. I know I've got something good, but people don't want to hear. How do I bridge that gap? Then the third one is um, kind of a strange one. Um, It's something called denialism. Has anyone come across that? It's a thing, apparently, okay? It's a thing that's, that's increasing in society. And what it is, is it means that in spite of clear evidence for something, you don't choose to believe it for your own emotional or moral reasons. Okay, so you might have heard of people who are Holocaust deniers, or people who are climate change deniers, um, or there's even a minority, significant minority now in the country and in the world who apparently um, believe that the world is flat and would deny that the world is round. It's kind of a thing that's back on the rise. Don't ask me, it just, it's just a thing, apparently, it's happening. But there's, there's this idea of denialism, and the idea is, is that, you know, we, 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 we talked, haven't we, before, about post-truth. Um, this is something that's, that, that, that is increasing in society. You can choose to believe what you want, and it's not based on fact, it's based on what you just your own personal choice for whatever reasons you want. So if something's too emotionally demanding for you to believe, just don't believe it. Even if the facts say that it's true, you, you choose what you believe to make yourself comfortable and to and to make to craft the life that you want to have. And what that means for us as Christians is that there's there's permission in wider society for us to do that and for us to pick and choose and for us to think, yeah, well, I believe this bit about what the Bible says because. It's nice and it's it's easy and convenient to believe, but this bit about what the Bible says that seems to grate against the wider society. Maybe I just oh, I'll just leave that. And so there can, there's, there's another thing that we're up against. There's there's a potential eroding of uh, the message for us and a temptation to craft it, it to be more comfortable. The final thing before we get onto some encouragement is um, I guess. The rise of extremism within our society, we're seeing it more and more and it's not just religious extremism, I guess it's kind of political extremism as well and we see it a lot in the news um, around things like Brexit, um, that there's, there's loud voices shouting from different parts of society and they're, sh- and they're shouting uh, strong messages. And it's controversial, and no one knows the right answers, and if you wade into it, you kind of find yourself perhaps in the line of fire. And as Christians, with a gospel message that we know is, is kind of contrary to the society, we can feel that we're not gonna go there, we're not gonna get into that sphere. And maybe there could be a temptation that comes with us for us to just think, well, we need to be as moderate as possible uh, with, with, with our message and with what we believe. And maybe we can just kind of try and carve out a middle ground and a comfortable way through that helps us. Um, This is a bit challenging, I know, but it's important that when we come on to look in a moment to the gospel message, because the gospel message speaks into all of that. And so I want to suggest maybe, and maybe you touched on this when you chatted briefly a minute ago, some of the things that, that stop us being confident in the gospel, some of the things that hamper us or that Um, are barriers for us perhaps are related to some of these themes in wider society Uh, and we need to be aware of those so that we can then uh, kind of engage and, uh, and find our way through. So what we want to do uh, is l- go to Romans 1 and find some encouragement there about how, what it means to be confident in the gospel. And when we look at the example of the Apostle Paul, there we see someone who certainly, it could be said, was confident in the gospel. The Apostle Paul uh, lived out a confidence in the gospel and, and, and his life shows it and his writings show it too. And so we're going to go and look in Romans 1. And, and in Romans 1, uh, chap- uh, verse 16, Paul says this incredible statement. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for salvation. And what is it about Paul that led him to be able to say that statement? Pretty big statement. Regardless of what what anything else in society is, regardless of what, what other... Worldviews are out there, regardless of what other people think. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God and it brings salvation. Well, Paul, um, if you know anything about his life, faced many of the challenges that we faced and a few more as well. Uh, And yet he was confident in the gospel. And I just want to suggest a couple of kind of broad brushstroke comments about Paul's life before we, we look a bit more at Romans 1 is that I think the reason why Paul was confident in the gospel is twofold. Firstly, because he had experienced the gospel. He'd experienced it for himself. He'd met, hadn't he, the risen Jesus on the road to Damascus. I mean, we see the story from the book of Acts. He'd encountered Jesus and it had changed him. And because he'd encountered Jesus for himself, he, something happened, something changed. And we know from his story, he was hostile. He was one of these people who, who, who was trying to stamp out the message. He was actively fighting against the message. And when he met the risen Jesus, he turned it around and suddenly the gospel came alive to him. And secondly, he was convinced by the gospel. He studied the scriptures. He thought about it. He applied his mind to it and he measured it against the philosophies of the world and came out believing that it was true, came out convinced that it was true. And I think for us, just as a, as a broad sort of comment on this subject, I think we need the same. We need to experience the gospel for ourselves. We need to know its power in our lives and we need to be convinced of it as well, kind of intellectually uh, and, and as, as we read the Bible We need to grapple with it. We need to make sure that we are convinced against it, that we have measured it against the philosophies of the world and we still are believing it. Apostle Paul, obviously his conversion experience was fairly dramatic uh, and perhaps fairly unique. I don't think many of us um, met the risen Jesus and had three days of blindness and fasting followed by um, having hands laid on, scales falling off our our eyes and and then being sent off on a global apostolic mission, I, I, I don't know whether anyone else has had that experience in, in the room, but, um, but the point is not how he experienced God, not the fact that he saw um, kind of a light and fell off his horse, but the fact that he did experience God and that is something that is true for each of us. We all need to experience the power of the gospel in our lives for it to make a change. So what I've got is just four truths about the gospel from the life and words of Paul in Romans one, which can give us confidence. Okay, so the first question we could ask here before we, we do that, before we dive in, is what does Paul mean when he speaks of the gospel? Talk about this word, what does it mean? What is the gospel? Well, in verse two of Romans one, um, Paul sketches this out. He says the gospel that he, God, promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David, And who, through the spirit of holiness, was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. So the gospel is quite simply the gospel of Jesus. It's the story of Jesus. It's all about Jesus, who he is, what he did, and the significance of that for the world. That's why we have our mission statement as Jesus to be the most talked about person. Because it's the gospel of Jesus, who's promised beforehand through the prophets. There's a there's a there's a backstory throughout the Old Testament. There's a grand narrative of God's plan for the whole of the earth, for which Jesus is the ultimate fulfilment. He was descendant of David. He's a historical figure. There's there's powerful um, and strong, convincing historical evidence for the existence of Jesus. There's no fairy tale. There's no myth. It's historically grounded. And he was shown to be the son of God. He has an identity that's, that's, that's different from anyone else. He's fully God, fully man. And his resurrection, of course, another historical event, but something that showed his power and his uniqueness. So the gospel is all about Jesus. So the first thing about, about the gospel is that it's, it's pressing. This is something that Paul saw. I'm afraid, yes, I, I do have peas today. Okay, it's all P, P points, which is, you know, hopefully helpful to remember them. So it's pressing, the gospel is pressing. It says uh, in verse 1 of Romans 1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. This is how he introduces himself to the church in Rome. This is who I am, I, I'm, I'm a servant of this gospel. I, I, I've, been, I've been sent that's what an apostle means, a sent one, a, a, and set apart for the gospel. His whole life, his, his whole calling, his whole, everything he's doing, everything he's working towards is about the gospel. And he goes on to talk about his motivation. His desire is to bring about the obedience that comes from faith among the, the Gentiles, that's what compels him so. And this was, this was a big deal um, for, for Paul. As a, as a Jewish person, uh, he, he was the first, really, who kind of led in, in the charge to take the gospel to non-Jews. So, so he was thinking about the whole world. And that's why he goes on to say that he longs to visit Rome. He's eager to preach the gospel there. He wants to encourage the church in Rome he also says he wants to go on from Rome to Spain and take the gospel to there. He's thinking big. He recognizes this is something that the world needs to hear. And he also says in verse 14 how he's he's obligated. He says I'm obligated to Jews and to Greeks. And it's almost as if Paul saw um, the, 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 the 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 sort of pressing urgency of the gospel as something that was like a like a debt. He was obligated to it. He he just he'd been entrusted with this good news, and he. It was like his debt to the world to share it and to, um, to share it as widely as he possibly could. I'm trying to bring this into, a kind of, um, into our context a bit more to think about what this might look like. Imagine that um, you know, you're in one of those disaster movies and there's an asteroid hurtling its way to earth and, and you're the one who has the launch codes for the nuclear warhead that's gonna kind of blow the asteroid uh, to smithereens and save the earth. Okay, imagine you're the person with those codes. What are you going to do? You're going to do everything you can. The whole film is going to be about your quest to take those codes to, uh, to, to be launched and so that you can save the world. Paul almost saw the gospel as being that urgent, as being that much of an entrustment. You've been entrusted with something that you've got to go and take through. Or for the Star Wars lovers in the room, I know there's a few. Imagine you're that guy at the end of Rogue One who gets given the memory stick and then has to sort of run away from Darth Vader and hand it to Princess Leia just just in time before um, Darth Vader comes and sort of um, destroys everyone. There's a sense of like, I've got to get this message through. I've I've got to do it. It's life or death. And if I I don't do it, the world won't be saved. If I do do it, the world will be saved. And obviously, we've got to be careful and use examples like that because we can feel overly responsible if we start to feel like we're the ones who need to save the world that's not good Jesus is the savior God is the one who saves the world and it's his gospel that does it but there's that sense of being compelled there's that sense of being obligated that sense of 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 the pressing urgency of of this message it's vital it's critical it's essential and if you read through the rest of the book of Romans you see how this plays out in Paul's theology so particularly just if you read the rest of Romans 1 into Romans 2 and then Romans 3 you see how Paul sketches out this need and this urgency even more how people are are, are dead in their sins how all humanity whether you're a Jew or a Gentile you are dead in your sins and and he talks about how we, we knew the truth about God but we've suppressed it and we've exchanged it for a lie. Turns out denialism isn't a new thing. It was, it was alive and well in Paul's day, just as it is now. And so all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so we need to know this message of, of forgiveness, of righteousness, of, 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 of freedom. And that's what the gospel brings. So for us, just, just to ask yourself, do, do you, is this relevant to you? Do you need to regain a sense of how pressing um, the gospel is um, in, in your own life and in, in, in the lives of those around you? Have you allowed the kind of winds of society to erode, perhaps, your belief? It's an honest question, it's something to to think about, perhaps. What do we need to do? We need to remind ourselves of the story. We need to be convinced of it afresh. We need to experience it afresh. Because whatever else our lives are about, whatever else we're living for, whatever things are on our mind, whatever priorities we're wanting to work towards at the moment, whatever things we're hoping are going to happen... Knowing and telling the wondrous story of Jesus and salvation—that is is the deepest part of our call as as believers, as Christians. For every single one of us, we've been given this message, and it is—it is pressing. So my prayer is that you is that God kind of works that in you. I don't want anyone to feel kind of condemned by that. That's not my heart at all, and I don't think that's what the Bible's saying either, but there is a sense of we need to kind of get real and remember the urgency of the gospel. Secondly, as Paul says, it's powerful. He's not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God. And this is something that we can be hugely confident in. The gospel is the power of God. God God is powerful. He's revealed himself throughout um, history as being powerful. He created the world. He parted the Red Sea he, he called his people out of slavery and led them out with miraculous acts of provision. He, he raised up different uh, nations, different armies, different superpowers throughout the Old Testament history to, 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 to accomplish his purposes. He sent his own son who died on the cross and three days later was raised from death. The power of God being worked out, the message of forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name ringing out. The gospel is the power of God. It's like he's distilled the power into this message, all of his power. And it changes everything. And so when you talk about, with a friend or a colleague or a family member or or, or your children, when you talk about even one aspect of that, that's the power of God for salvation, going out. His word is going out and it doesn't return to him empty. The gospel is transformational. Jesus is the one who who sets the captives free. He heals us. He changes us. He sets us free. He gives us this incredible uh, freedom, this, this 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 freedom from sin, this this freedom from guilt, this freedom from uh, a kind of old way of life, or freedom from slavery to to, to bad habits. He he frees us from the punishment um, that that awaits those who who don't believe in him because of their sin, those who are stuck in their sin. He frees us from the wrath of God, from an eternity without God. He gives us righteousness as a free gift. That's what the gospel is about. In, in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed as a free gift. I want to encourage you, your problems, your, your doubts, your challenges that you have in your life, and I know that there are many. We need to apply the power of the gospel to each and every one. And the big friends sorry, the big questions that your friends might be asking as well. big questions about purpose, about identity, about meaning. The gospel has the answers. It really does. It does have the answers to those sorts of questions. I'm not saying you know that you go to your friends and say, "Hey man, Jesus is the answer. What's your question?" <laughs> you know and it's not a glib thing like that. I mean. You know, obviously Jesus isn't the answer to the question, what times the next number 11 bus come down the road? The answer is not Jesus, I don't think. Um, But for the bigger questions of life, the things that everyone grapples with, Jesus has got the answers. His story, his story is the story of stories. It is the grand narrative that God has built into the, the fabric of reality. That's how significant it is. It's the power of God. It's the power of God. And then it's also personal. I think I'm going to finish with this point. It's, it's personal. And this is something that Paul had experienced and it personally worked out, as I was saying earlier. Uh, and that's true of us. The gospel, the reason why we're all sat here, I'd imagine, is because the gospel has had, the power of the gospel has had some effect in our lives. And so we can speak about Jesus from our own experience. And really, this is, this is in many ways the kind of main point to take home from from this talk. It's something that we can all do. This is a great place that we can all start at because your personal testimony, your personal story of what Jesus has done for you is incredibly powerful and it's something that God has given you, which you can share. You know how many times in the book of Acts, Paul's story is told? Anyone know that? How many times it mentions Paul's testimony? How many times he actually tells the story of how he met Jesus on the road to Damascus? Yes, well I Mike, I thought you'd know. Three times in the book of Acts that his story is, is told. He's, he's always telling his story everywhere he goes. No one can argue with your personal story or with your experience, and you'll be amazed at how God can use your story to connect with others. So just a real encouragement, just talk about what you know. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have an absolutely tight exposition of the cosmological argument. For the next time someone asks you about that, you just talk from your own experience. You talk about answered prayer. You talk about how God's provided for you. You talk about what it means for you to be a Christian. I had other points, but I've run out of time, really. Um, but the, the, I guess the main thing is that this, the gospel is the power of God. It's the power of God, and we can be completely confident um, in, in that. So just to sort of land this for us Paul says in in 2 Timothy 1 7 and 8 God has not given us a spirit of timidity but of power of love and of self-discipline so do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord we were looking at last time when we did our a mini-series on, on being spirit-filled is one of the massive values for us as a church that we believe in the ministry and the power of the Holy Spirit uh, at work in us. And we talked about how the Spirit makes us witnesses. And so it is the Spirit gives us the ability and the courage to testify about Jesus. So maybe for some of us, we, someone mentioned prayer earlier, we need to pray. We need to pray for, for boldness, for courage, uh, and we need to perhaps start stepping out a little bit more of our comfort zones and being willing to speak about Jesus and not being ashamed. Perhaps for some of us, um, we actually just need to spend more time with those that don't know Jesus. Perhaps, we, you know, for many of us, we don't have that many non-Christian uh, friends or contacts, so we, perhaps we need to just just think about that a little bit more, be open perhaps to, to those around us, whether it's neighbours, work colleagues, um, or whatever it is, really. And for some of us, perhaps we need to study and explore a bit more for ourselves some of these big questions of life perhaps there's things that are just sticking points for you or just, just just things that you just are stopping you being so confident in the gospel and I just encourage you if that's you um do do take the time to study and to and to delve into that and to try and find answers to those questions and if you'd love to chat with someone about that please speak to me I'd love to facilitate um, helping you to to perhaps meet up with someone to study the Bible together to to grapple with those questions. It's really important that we grapple with those questions ourselves. So let's just let's let's finish in prayer.